Welcome to the Sports Sister podcast, where we bring together professional experts with grassroots pioneers to discuss key topics for grassroots sport. I'm Natalie Doyle, and in this episode, I'm joined by two people from different sports with a shared passion to create thriving environments. Kath Bishop is a triple Olympian, former diplomat, leadership coach, and author of The Long Win, which was listed in the Financial Times Top 10 Business Books of 2020. Kath competed in rowing at three Olympic Games, winning World Championship Gold in 2003 and Olympic Silver in Athens 2004. My other guest, Sophie Bartup, is the founder and chair of Barton Inclusive Football Club, a community club providing inclusive football opportunities for all. The club has six pan-disability teams, two walking football teams and is a Weetabix Wildcats provider. Sophie was named the Lincolnshire FA Adult Coach of the Year 2020-2021. This is going to be a great chat. Let's see what they have to say. Right, Kath and Sophie, thank you so much for giving up your time today. We're going to talk about creating thriving environments, which is an interesting subject, I think. Kath, I'm going to go to you first. What does a thriving environment look like? What does it look like to you? So delighted to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me to join. Uh, It's a really important question and I've got some thoughts, but I also think it's, it's okay to be constantly asking that question. What does thriving mean? Because it does mean slightly different things to different people. So I think we don't have to have a definitive answer. Um, However, the sort of elements that I look for, that I've seen, that also we've learned in, whether it's through sports psychology or through sort of understanding of the importance of culture, is that thriving environments are ones where people feel they can be their whole selves, where they feel that they are safe to be themselves, that they can also, say, share their ideas without fear of reprisal, that they can um, challenge perhaps others' thoughts without that going against them um, and, and that they can start to explore what they're capable of. So it's a place where they flourish, where they can grow. Yeah, great points. Well, how about you, Sophie? What does it look like for you? Yeah, a lot of what, what Kath said there as well, I'll, I'll be echoing. And, and for me, from a grassroots perspective and, and the club that, that I'm chairman of is a football club. So I work with players from the age of five years old to uh, walking footballers that are into their 70s. And for me, you know, as, as Kath alluded to, it's it's a place where players can develop. But for me, not just as sports people or footballers, but as people as well. And I think that's really, really, really important. And again, from a grassroots perspective, you know, I know from, from running this football club for three years that the thriving environments for our players are a reflection on the workforce of our volunteers as well. So it's it's critical that that the environment for our volunteers is one where they feel empowered and and their needs and motivations are recognised and met so that they can recognise and respond to the different abilities and the different needs of our players. So, for example, we have a a massive amount of differentiation within our within our football sessions and and for me when I'm planning and planning the football session is is the you know the bit that I enjoy and it's the straightforward bit but it's it's the other aspect of understanding that actually this player might just need five minutes with me at the beginning before the session starts to help me put out the cones and I can embed some maths in that as well where they get to count every six steps which is brilliant but this player might just need a little bit of a smaller ball so that they've got much more success when that where they're mastering that ball as well and as I've said similarly and and with the workforce side of things, it's understanding that 
that I'm taking the time to listen to the volunteers and, and to connect with them and to understand the reasons why they're doing it and to ensure that they're supported in the right way. We're giving them the right tools as a club and resources to develop themselves so that they can continually be inspired to de- deliver and um, facilitate good and safe and inclusive sessions. And, and again, Kath, as you've mentioned, it's it's something for me that's always evolving as well. Um, situations with players may change, with um, you know, situations with coaches may change. So it's understanding that we may have a session one week that that all players have, have met their objective or they've met their targets, but actually the following week it might be year six sacks. Wow, that's monumental for some of our players and we need to recognise that and maybe just adapt a little bit. And it's not necessarily a technical session, but we're here to have fun, to smile and laugh with your friends. And it's just that constant evolution of sessions and as the girls develop really and all the players develop you know the older age groups and again just giving them the platform to be the best versions of themselves that 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 they can be and you know sport is we know as such a powerful tool for that to happen I, I love the way that um that brings us back to kind of the the human purpose of sport and I think we get that gets lost. It gets lost at elite level, but also gets lost sometimes at grassroots level. And that's what sometimes sort of inhibits the or, or blocks people from being able to kind of be at be at their best. And this, you know, I like lots of things you're picking out there around just, you know, it's the person, it's how the person thrives. It's not you're a footballer or you're a member of our club or you're an elite athlete. It's that sort of person first approach and the adaptability piece. It means we just allow people to be sort of all of who they are. And we recognize that there are things that we don't know about that happen in sort of other parts of their life, but they bring with them. And that has an impact on how they turn up. And we want to kind of give them an environment where they can bring all of themselves through the door. And I mean, I think that's something that, you know, whether we're talking about the workplace or a school or a community club or an elite club, that it's just an essential about creating an environment for, for humans to thrive in. It's so true. I think, Sophie, you mentioned about workforce and having the right people in place makes such a difference, doesn't it, in terms of how you create that environment. How do you make sure that you're getting, how do you identify who those people are who can help you create that? Yeah, and again, that's a question I get asked quite a lot, you know, from from colleagues or friends that also volunteer within the grassroots game. And they'll often say to our football club, you know, how do you recruit your volunteers? And I find that quite a difficult question to answer because the majority of our volunteers now have been in our club environment in a different capacity, whether that be a parent or whether that be a grandparent. And they've they've come to the session to watch their child or to support their family member. And actually, they've been impacted by the culture that we've been able to create. And we just recently hosted our end of season awards. And one of our Wildcats, she... She asked if she could say a few words, and it, it was it was it was brilliant because she said we're a family, and I think that's that's so important as well. So a lot of our volunteers now um, have started as as bringing their child, in, and now they're either a coach or a training coordinator um, that volunteer within our club. And what I'm really keen from from my perspective as a club chair is, that, you know, I don't put out an advert and say right we need a coach or we need somebody to take the subs. I'll say, look, does anybody want to get involved? And does anybody have time to give? And really give them the empowerment to go, actually, I do have some time and I've been so inspired by what you do. And I'm really, really, really good at organisation. Okay, well, we've got a job for you. We've got an incredible volunteer who, um, her role is to do cupcakes every time it's a Wildcats birthday. And it's phenomenal. And 
again, taking it back to our awards, we had Club Hero Awards for every active volunteer within our club and she received one. She was astounded. Um, and it was our way of showing your impact is as significant as somebody else's because our girls get so excited when it's somebody's birthday. I mean, we've got that many now that it's nearly every week, so it's a lot. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not cake eating happening. <laughs> but it's just recognizing everybody's commitment. And again, it's it's not saying right, we need this role. It's actually saying you've got some spare time. You've seen the impact this had on your child or your grandchild. You know, how would you like to contribute to our club? And we almost find that that's the way that we recruit and we've got some fantastic people in some fantastic roles and and again take it back to it to a parent who started as a training coordinator doing a fantastic job she's now stepped across the line to coach she's doing the bt playmaker now doing the level one so i guess sometimes it's actually letting that natural process happen instead of thinking right i'm under pressure to find a coach i'm under pressure to find this training it's it's actually sometimes just creating the environment first to allow people to find out what's best for them and let them go at their own pace really and and that's something I find is 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 really really important and again it's not just meeting the needs of the players it's meeting the needs of the workforce behind our club that 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 put on these good sessions for young people. Environment first makes me think about the for me the concept of thriving it's very like flourishing it's like that gardening analogy that we don't make the plant grow by pulling the plant up we make the plant grow by enriching the soil, by watering, by you know whatever we can do to help the quality of the soil. And and that's what you're talking about there with the environment is you're, you're feeding the soil of the club and from that incredible things grow. We actually don't know how those seeds might grow and they're going to look slightly different when they come out. But actually all we can do is to keep feeding that environment. And I think it's that sort of that's where you get what I would call the long win from investing in these things. Might not make us win Saturday's game, but my goodness, yeah. over time, we have people who can play all sorts of roles because they want to feel part of it. And sometimes I think sort of in the league game where we're, we're kind of pushing in such a narrow way and sometimes the athletes have such a poor experience that I, you know, for me, the tragedy is that I don't really care whether they end up winning a medal or not. We've lost that person from sport. We've lost somebody who could advocate for the game who could, you know, who would go on to become a coach or, you know, a parent or, or just sort of inspire the next generation. And, and that's as important because that's the sort of the, the connection that we get. So this community that exists, the community exists, whatever level we play sport. That's, that's really, for me, what the purpose of sport is. So it's how do we feed that sense of community? How do we create that environment? That, for me, is far more important than the medals. The medals will come and the medals will go. And then there's always the next set and there's always the next set. But this is like the, the kind of the infinite game that we need to play, if you like. Um, you know, the longer game uh, that, that is so important and it, it pays back in so many different ways, as, as, as you were just demonstrating. Kath, with, with that analogy with the plant as well and, you know, providing all the right nutrients for it to grow. And I think, again, for me, my personal philosophy is I always think of coaching as, as the little things. So, for example, I know at the end of each Wildcat session, in my mind, I'm going to get to that gate before that first Wildcat gets to that gate. Nobody's going to beat me to it because then I can make sure that every Wildcat that leaves that session hears something from me. And it might not necessarily be about football. It might be actually, I was really, really, really proud of you today when you noticed that one of the Wildcats was feeling down and you took them to one side and you buddied up with them. Or, you know, when I needed help with that goalpost, you know, you came over and you provided me with that help and again it's those little things isn't it that we continually do as as human beings really to um to get to that longevity in terms of that thriving environment again similarly with the connections that you mentioned so 
you know, we have an incredible setup with our Wildcats and with the inclusive teams we deliver. But a big part of that is communicating with our parents. And quite often on a, on a Monday evening, we deliver two um, inclusive sessions. Parents you know, will text me or ring me and say, um, this has happened today at college or school. Therefore, they're still coming. I'm really excited to still come training. However, please be conscious of it. And I know that actually in that session, it's OK if they maybe need five minutes out. Or similarly, at the same time, they'll go, this has happened at college today. They've got a certificate for working hard and I'll go, brilliant. So I know in my mind, I'm going to ask them about that to raise their self-esteem and to ensure that they can start that session. Um, because sometimes as well, I think as grassroots volunteer, we forget how significant we are in terms of the impact we have on young people. Um, so for me to recognise someone's achievements in college or within a different community club, that goes a long way. And I think it's really hard because it's, you know, it's being self-aware, isn't it? And and actually going, do you know what? We do have a really significant impact on that young person. It may only be an hour a week, but that hour may be more purposeful than any other environment that they're part of. So it's the little things for me that I try and do and I try and encourage those around me to do um, as well. I like that because little things can have such a big impact. You're also focusing there on kind of who that person is, their intrinsic value, their intrinsic yeah. worth. It's not about whether you scored a goal or not. I mean, great if you do, but you're still part of this. Your value is, doesn't determine, isn't determined by that. And that's something I see sort of slowly starting to shift, but so important to shift. Um, the, the work I do, I sit on the advisory board for the True Athlete Project, which is a lovely nonprofit organization trying to create uh, a support mechanism through mentoring, through workshops they do to enable kind of up and coming athletes, often sort of scholars who've got, uh, you know, like sports scholars or you know, just kind of um, perhaps athletes with potential to, to get to the elite level to, but to, to think beyond simply you know, what, what results you're getting, but to put this framework around and they, they look at sort of what, the, what are your values, win or lose? What are the things that are, you know, that, that you stand by? Um, you know, who are you beyond sport as well, that kind of whole person? How do you then connect to a community and, and how do you develop to be a, you know, a good citizen through sport? And that's absolutely what I hear through kind of what you're talking about. And that's, that's where your club message then also, it leaves the gate with them. Um, and they take that into other things, you know, they take that into those other parts of their life. They will advocate for you. They'll attract others to the club. I mean, it's kind of a win-win situation. Um, but it is that sense that sport kind of helps us to develop as people. And again, that's that lasts beyond whatever the trophies are. We want to win them if we can. That's great. But when we step off the podium, then what are we left with? And, and that's what you're investing in, which is just so powerful. Yes, it's, uh, there's so many other things, aren't there, in people's lives that will affect how they are when they come to participate in sport, be that from a grassroots point of view, as, as you spoke about, Sophie. But I suppose, Kath, when you're working in a more elite environment and with, with businesses as well, how do you see that has impacted creating an environment when people obviously come in with their own experiences and the, all the other things that are going on in their worlds? Do you find then when you add on top the pressure for performance and achieving what they're trying to achieve, does that can that have a negative effect on the environment or is it about making sure it's strong enough to, to overcome those? Yeah, I mean, it sort of, I suppose it depends on what you really think is the most important thing. Is it some sort of short-term target, some short-term outcome, or actually are we here to, because we have a purpose, because we want people to thrive whilst they're here and that in itself. So 
is our definition of success. So you know, it comes down to that. We define success as something sort of externally bestowed on us, usually short term, usually transient. Or are we actually defining success in terms of exploring what we're capable of, supporting people here to explore what they're capable of, and then having some purpose that our organisation, sporting or business, is actually trying to make the world a little bit better. And I find that when you have those sorts of, you know, a, a more meaningful definition of success, a longer term definition of success, uh, a purpose-based definition of success, then the pressures that come with performance are also set within a wider perspective. And, you know, you, you can take those pressures on then. They're just part of how you explore what's possible. How, and you know you're going to learn and you know it's not always going to go brilliantly and you know you're going to make some mistakes. But actually, that's part of this bigger journey. So it really depends how you, you know, what you stand for, how you set up that environment and how important that is. And of course, sometimes if you don't even have those things, so it's purely about the trophy, and we don't define the environment, then I think people find it extremely hard to thrive. Yeah. And the way they, even if they do achieve success, they do it at really high cost that, you know, then comes back to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, that purpose is so important, isn't it? And that's across the board. I mean, Sophie, you'll have a, a really clear purpose in terms of what you try and do with your club in, in terms of making it more inclusive. Yeah, no, no, of, of course. And and when you said that, Kath, around what does success look like? So we, you know, we run a session um, in in Hull and we have a player there that, that initially came for a very short period, maybe five to 10 minutes. And I recently did a visit and, my training coordinator said, you know, this player is, is now doing 20 minutes of, of a football session. And I went out and I can honestly say that that smile was genuinely sustained for 20 minutes. And actually that session is an hour session. However, that individual is accessing that on a weekly basis for now 20 minutes. And actually, if that goes 25 and 30, fantastic. But if that 20 stays at 20 and some weeks it goes back down to 10, then that's success because that individual... Um, you know, may not know that that helps their self-esteem or, um, you know, helps their confidence, but they will certainly feel it. Um, and I think that's really important. And, and again, an, an incident quite recently, we've just set up an under 12 pan disability team. We did a big launch event and we got to the first session. We were expecting seven players and, and two turned up. And I'm thinking, and I'm so excited because I know that our club started with two players in 2019 and the volunteers came to me and I'm a little bit disappointed. I said, no, this is exciting. We've not got one, we've got two players. <laughs> and then the next week we had three. Well, we didn't know we had three because they didn't turn up until 20 minutes in, so it was even more of a high. Um, and I'm very similar to what you said, Kath, and I kept saying, this will grow, this will grow. And I'm being positive and enthusiastic because I know that what we're doing is having an impact and when that little boy goes to school and 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 tells his teacher and then teacher confirmed with the rest of the class and the rest of the parents it's 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 incredible and success isn't just about having 10 players there every week that are available every week and their commitment is consistent it's about you know the person-centered approach and meeting the needs of that individual and um hopefully we'll have four this friday at our under 12s but if we don't it's okay because wow they're getting such a meaningful experience and it, it will grow because, um, you know, we're doing everything that we should be. We're working with the right organisations and the county FA. And, um, yeah, so what does success look like? I think it's a question that I'll probably ask myself and hold myself accountable accountable for more often, really. That's I a really love that. I, I, I want to be at your club. <laughs> <laughs> 
is that difficult though? I mean, you probably would have both been in these situations where maybe you're trying to create the right environment and some it doesn't feel maybe at the start like you're getting the success that you would you would want. I mean, obviously, Sophie, you're being very positive with your outlook on it, but you mentioned that maybe some of the other people there weren't so positive about the numbers. Is that difficult to keep the faith and keep persevering with what you think is the right thing to do when it might you might start getting a little bit of doubt around whether things are working or not? I, I think just to, to jump in, I think this is all about metrics, isn't it? What are we counting quantity, kids yeah. through the door and and out the door? Or are we actually thinking about the quality of experience they have? And again, I know this comes up in um, some chair of a charity called Love Rowing, where we're trying to uh, bring rowing to more parts of the country that currently don't access the sport and, you know, different communities because it's such a, you know, often has a real transformative effect getting kids on the water, a really different sport from other sports, a really close sort of team experience. And, you know, I think anyone in development and grassroots will, will have this kind of tussle of is it is it numbers through the door or is it the quality of experience we provide? And I think, you, you know, if you think long term, it has to be about the quality of experience that we provide rather than some kind of tick box exercise because we want impact, because we want those sort of transformational experiences that, you know, that, that, that we're talking about here. And so, you know, these things have faith in them. We, we learn from, um, you know, evolving constantly what, what we're doing to attract more. And, you know, again, I, I think you can't cut quality because actually you only get a short term uplift in numbers uh, and it doesn't last. Yeah. And how do you then how do you get people on board with with your thinking like that? So you're you two have clearly got a very similar approach to that about what it is that we're actually trying to achieve. But. Sophie, as you spoke about then, that's not all, not everyone necessarily sees things in that way. So how do you take people with you in terms of thinking in the way that, that you, you want to approach it, if you like? Yeah, and I think I've alluded to before in terms of the way that myself and our committee try and recruit is that a lot of the time it's a natural process where they've been inspired by what we do and, and the players and, and, and the volunteers that we've already got in our club and they'll come forward and say, look, we want to help. And that can be in a really small way or it can be in a quite significant way. And it's, you know, I started this football club when I was 25 years old. I'm 28 now. And if I'm being you know, completely honest with myself, there's been a lot of times where I've had to reflect on the way that I communicate and the way that I try and inspire and the way that I try and be a, be a role model and again, it goes back to understanding why why volunteers want to do it. Someone might just want to be there each week um, to take subs, and that's enough for them. That satisfies their desire to help other people. Some might say, I want to be a coach, I want to do my level one, then I want to be my level two. So similarly to the players, it's understanding the motivations and needs of, of volunteers. And in the past, volunteers have come to me and said, I'm finding it really difficult. The sessions are becoming really, really difficult. And I don't think I'm quite able to to coach in the way that I thought I could and 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 that's where a conversation has to take place and and we have to be flexible in how we approach that and again provide them with the right support and the what the right tools and you know I've had volunteers that have said I'm going to take a period of time away because that's what's right for me and then I'd love to come back in the future and and when they do come back they may be in the same role or they may be in a different role and it's it's really it's it can be difficult at times especially when there's been an incident in a session or something happens that you don't expect which of course is always going to happen we have to be realistic about that but again it goes back down to the connections that we have as a group of volunteers I try and create a culture where 
we're open and honest with each other and we give a little bit of ourselves as well because um you know we're all doing it in our free time as well we don't get paid to do it you know there's a desire there for us to want to help people and and the connections and the relationships that we've built between each other is is really important so on those days where that person might feel like oh gosh I'm, I'm giving up but because they've got good relationships with myself and the other coaches they can just say one word and it's like right okay what can we do to try and help what can we do to try and support and you know as you've you've said now it, it can be quite quite difficult at times but it's just you know reflecting and, and and trying to move forward in terms of when you do get posed with with a situation where you have to say look let's just stop what we're doing is absolutely incredible you know as a volunteer you are the heartbeat of your community and without what we do this this club wouldn't exist and that might sound dramatic but actually just saying do you know what you're doing a really 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 good job um and taking time to make sure people know that I think is is really important because we can get carried away with the pressures of making sure that we've got the minibus for the fixtures and that we've paid the league fees and oh my gosh did we let the facility know we can't do that day if not we're going to lose 20 pounds but actually are the players coming are they happy yes okay well let's just take a breath you're doing a brilliant job it maybe even have a day off um and we go again so yeah and something I'm learning all the time and yeah, for me, being quite young as well and, and inexperienced when I became a chair, chairperson, it's, it's you know, I'm on a self-development journey with it all as well and, and I have to talk and be open with people closest to me as well at times and that can be, right, okay, that's it, I'm not doing it anymore or it can be, actually, I'm feeling quite frustrated, tell me I'm okay, tell me I'm doing a good job and all is well again. So, so yeah, but we're volunteers and, you know, we have to recognise that at times as well. So, getting into practical thoughts because I think a lot of clubs are going to listen to this and be like this sounds great I want this I want this at my club we talked a lot about what that might look like and how you work to create that but if if you were a club and you're thinking we don't we don't have anything like this at the moment how do you start I think for me and it's something that we're trying to do as a football club we're trying to work with other grassroots clubs to try and introduce inclusive teams across our region and there's there's a lot of clubs that are currently delivering fantastic work and I think it's about connecting with each other and and understanding that all the best practice and good practice that's taking place um that can be shared that's really 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 important if 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 somebody's you know thinking about starting a team or thinking about starting a club you know without a doubt, contact the County FA who are there to support and provide that guidance and maybe infrastructure and potentially funding um, as well. And they'll be able to introduce you to other volunteers and clubs and coaches that have experience and that can help and support. And the grassroots community is such a beautiful place um, because nobody's nobody's wanting to, to have all the players and win all the medals. Everybody just wants more and more teams to play so that it's more enhanced and enriched for you know their own players and um, there's a lot of support out there. Um, Twitter is actually an amazing place um, for ideas for grassroots coaches. And if 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 you know if, if I see a friend or a colleague post on Twitter asking for support or advice, there's 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 hundreds of replies within a couple of hours because, and again, that's why the grassroots community is such a special place and why these clubs are at the heartbeat of their communities because we all want to see more and more people playing sports. So if you are thinking about it. Um, reach out to local volunteers or grassroots clubs within your local area because 
you know, I can say hand on heart without a doubt that they'll be really keen to support and help and, you know, try and build your network and, and, and listen to, to, to other clubs as well before you jump straight in. You know, I've been guilty of that at times and I've gone, wow, I can't believe we've done that so far. I'm definitely in a better place now where I can say to other people, you know, talk to people, listen to people and, and you know, make sure you can't, if they are, are, are fully supportive of it as well, because there's going to be times where, you, you know, you make a mistake or you do something that maybe um, you didn't think through. Um, but as long as you've got that support network behind you, um, you know, to, to be there and provide that guidance, support and, and, and help is really, really, really important. I think it's a conversation, isn't it, to um, an ongoing conversation to think about what a striving look like that has to involve a lot of listening. Um, I think, you know, going back to that point about thinking, you know, why do we exist as a club? What does success look like? Not on a kind of, you know, end of season, what what how many races or how many matches have we played but you know actually what are we trying to contribute to the community and how do we do that how do we work out what impact we're having it's for me it's a sort of ongoing conversation that really focuses around the why and and how you know why do we exist and 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 how do we want to go about trying to achieve that impact we want on the community and and it has to be a constant learning approach so we're always kind of iterating and, and developing that I think it is important to have a sense of what our values are, what we stand for, just something that binds us together, that again, we refine over time. Um, but, you know, it's that these are the things that connect us, um, that identity, that shared identity, a sense of, the, you know, the reasons why this particular group of people, why we've come together to be coaches or volunteers or, you know, athletes or, you know, just participants. Um, you know, it's, it's all the time shaping what's happening around us, being really conscious of that. Um, what are you getting from this session? What more would you like to get? Um, you know, just that getting to know each other at that slightly deeper level. So for me, it's a set of conversations that are ongoing about sort of the why and, and the how and who we are together. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. It's all about getting the right people in place, isn't it? And then making sure that you're communicating with them throughout um, and making sure everybody's clear on what that why is and bought into what what your purpose is. Yeah, and it's going beyond the sort of... So sometimes we get really caught up logistically because logistics are important and they're complex in sport and you've always got yeah. to work out who's got the minibus and where do we need to be. But we get very trapped into this sort of transactional world of what we're doing when uh, and what we... You know, it's these other questions for me. It's that well, why, why are we here? Why are we doing this? How are we going to go about it in a way that we can all contribute and understand and have similar expectations of what the experience is going to be like that we're creating, you know, and, and who are we then? Who, who do we come together to create as a, as a club, as a community? And so for me, it's, it's making sure we go beyond the transactional stuff, which has to happen, but that's just not the full story. That's brilliant. Thank you both so much. The time has absolutely flown by. I feel like I could listen to you both talk for hours, but um, we uh, we do need to start to cut the conversation now. So thank you both very much for giving up your time. Um, and I'm sure that clubs will find it really helpful in terms of implementing those things into their own environments as well. Thanks. Thank you, Nat. Wow, that was amazing. I feel really inspired after hearing Kath and Sophie talk there. I could have listened to them for hours. I think we've almost barely scratched the surface in terms of the sort of detail you can go into around how to create those environments within clubs to make sure that people are having a fantastic experience. And I think Kath and Sophie are obviously doing that in such a fantastic way across various types of settings. 
I hope you found that useful and hopefully it's given you some ideas to take back to your own clubs and organisations. Thanks once again for listening to this episode of the Sports Sister podcast. Do feel free to give us a review or to subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes. And we'll be back again soon with some more fantastic guests. Fantastic guests.